Whew. All right, I'm going to clap. I'm just going to do it. That's good. That's awesome. All right, well, about 10 weeks ago, uh, actually exactly 10 weeks ago today, we invited you into a journey that's premised upon a prayer. And so the prayer that we've been asking you to pray for the last 10 weeks is simply, Lord, move me. It's, it's God, invade the space that is me. Reveal yourself like uniquely to me. Do whatever it is that you need to do in me so that you can do whatever it is that you want to do through me. What we've been praying for the last 10 weeks is, Lord, move me. And, and then more than that, alongside the prayer, we rolled out some simple categories. And the purpose of the categories was for us to be able to diagnose where we're at. In other words, it's helpful to know where you are so you know what you're moving from and what you're moving toward. And so we talked about spectators. And we said that a spectator is somebody who's just checking out Christianity and taking the risk of checking out Christianity by coming here, which incidentally is awesome and it is amazing. And we want to give you the space to do that. But if that's you, then when you're ready, no pressure, here's what we'd like you to pray. Lord, move me. God, if you exist, then invade the space that is me. You know, like reveal yourself to me. I want to see you like do whatever it is that you need to do in me so that you can do whatever it is that you want to do through me, which I understand is the scary part. Like that's the part I think we sort of recoil from instinctively. Like we back off because the deal is, you know, every program we sign up for, we know a lot about before we sign up for it. It's kind of like, okay, tell me what's involved. And yes, okay, now I'll sign on the bottom line. And it doesn't work that way with God. But the, the reality is it doesn't need to. Because think about this for a minute. If God is... And if God is who he says that he is, then he is the most wonderful being that there is. He is the most loving. He is the most kind. He is the most careful. He is the most attentive. He is the most powerful. He is the most wise. He is your creator and redeemer and sustainer and provider and protector. And I can just keep going. And the reality is he made you for himself. And he has all kinds of wonderful plans. And his plan for you is the best. And look, we all want the best plan for our life. So we talked about spectators, but then we also talked about fans. And we said that a fan is a little more committed than a spectator. A fan, you know, like a fan buys a seat. You know, a fan gets a hot dog. A fan wears a jersey. A fan is favorably disposed to the team, if you will. A fan shows up in roots for the team. But here's what the fan doesn't do. The fan doesn't play on the team. He doesn't take the field. He doesn't do that. And we said, you know, use that as a tool by which to examine your own spiritual life. Like if you look at your spiritual life and you go, okay, you know what? I think if I'm honest, I'm, I'm a fan. Like I, I come pretty regularly and, and all of that, but my spiritual life is mostly contained to whatever happens here when I'm here. Well, we love that you're here, but there's another category and that's the category of player. And for the record, by the way, players too need to be moved. You know, players get tired, players get injured, players get discouraged. Players need guidance and all of these other things. Players too need to be moved. The prayer of the player is the same as the fan, is the same as the spectator. It is, Lord, move me and invade me, change me, reveal yourself to me. Work through me. But here's what players do. Players play. They play. And here's the deal. God wants you to be a player. And he doesn't want you to be a player because he wants more from you. And I think we've got to get out of that kind of thinking. Like it's, it's like God has a need and I'm going to meet it. I think that's crazy. God is infinite. 
He's eternal. He's unchanging. I mean, he's, he has absolutely everything. He is altogether sufficient. He's not sitting around going, man, I hope that Tom does this for me because if he doesn't, I'm in a jam. It doesn't work that way at all. God doesn't want you to be a player because he wants more from you. He wants you to be a player because he wants more for you. God is a giver. He is not a taker. And he has given us life and joy and peace. He's given us hope, mercy, grace, wisdom, a future. And he's given us all of those things in Jesus Christ. And so then not because we ought to, and not because we have to, and not because we feel guilty if we don't, not because this is what good Christians do, but instead because we've been captured by the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. And it has so transformed our hearts, like it's so overwhelming that we, with anticipation, like with, with enthusiasm, we offer ourselves to this God as members of his team, if you will, as participants in his mission. And we become players, but not in some kind of a game. And I think that that's where the analogy breaks down, honestly. It's not a game. We're not talking about sports. Listen, I'm a passionate college football player, which means I'm miserable right now because my team is Florida State and we're just getting crushed left and right. It's terrible. It's a big deal to me. It's not that big a deal though, is it? Baseball, soccer, hockey, love sports. So many good things come through it. Developmentally, physically, all kinds of wonderful things. But at the end of history, those games don't matter. God is inviting us as his children, as living stones in his temple, as people who have been claimed and redeemed by him into the greatest mission that there is, the one that in the final analysis is the only one that will matter in the end. And he wants us to be a player in that. So for the last 10 weeks, what we've been doing is we've been painting a picture of what it means to be a player. And we said, all right, so players are those who have seen God, now not with their naked eye, but they've seen him as he's revealed himself to us in his word. They've seen him as he reveals himself all the time in his world, in the creative world in which he himself is the architect. In sunrises and sunsets and mountain views and ocean views and desert views and all of these things that we look at and that take our breath away and that speak of his greatness. It's remarkable. Players see the artistic gift of God in every moving work of art. They hear the musical gift of God in every moving piece of music. They sense the presence of the redemptive story of God in every story that moves them to their core. And what they've realized, players, is that, you know what? There is nothing and no one more moving in all of the universe than God himself. And that at God's very core, and I think this might be the most moving part, his disposition toward me and toward you, notwithstanding all of our failures, is one of unconditional love and passionate pursuit of relationship. It's amazing. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is about God entering into real time and space with real flesh and blood like mine and yours to do what? To take his infinitely valuable and completely and wholly perfect and righteous life and to lay it down as a substitute, as a sacrifice in the place of mine, in the place of yours. To what end? So that he could have me and he could have you, and, and more than that, so that we could get him, which I think we get the better of the deal on that. I really do. I mean, I'll just use myself as an example, okay? So let's think about it this way. I get the infinite God of the universe, and he, lucky God that he is, gets me. It's amazing, right? 
I win. It's a remarkable thought. And here's the deal. When the waterfall of the love and of the glory of that God crashes down upon you, when that reality hits you, okay, you are moved. There's no resisting that. And you're moved, first of all, as we've talked about, into worship. Players simply put worship. And we worship personally and individually. We worship together like we're doing today. We worship as those who don't care what anybody thinks about our worship except for God himself. Players worship, but more than that, players live in community. And I say that because the crashing waterfall of the love and of the glory of God, guys, drives you into a beautiful pool of people who celebrate your faith and inclusion in that community. In moments like this next one that we have here. I love this picture because I know the story. So that's Megan. Megan was baptized as an infant. We baptize infants here. Hope that doesn't freak you out too much. We can talk about that some other time. We believe that that is valid and that it's right and good to do that. And she came to us and said, look, I know I don't need to be re-baptized. I've been baptized, so that, that isn't theologically right. But she said, here's what I was never able to do. She said, I was never able publicly to say, you know what, I identify with Jesus and with his people. And I, I'm wondering if you guys would like just perform the act of baptism, even though it's not actually me being baptized, that's happened. And we said, well, no, that's ridiculous. We would never just, no, we said, of course we would do that. Are you kidding? We're like tripping over ourselves to do that. That's beautiful. That's celebrated in community. And then we've got another shot, the very next service of that week. These are a couple of students from Fort Lauderdale High School who've come to faith in Jesus through our student ministries, a couple of guys on the football team. Most of the football team was seated in this section over here. When they were baptized, they proclaimed Jesus publicly. And this was their first baptism. It's remarkable. Then we did a beach baptism. Pretty sure in the history of our church, we have never done a beach baptism. And our history is almost 80 years long. So I could be wrong about that, but I, I think I'm right. We had like 100 people show up on the beach at Fort Lauderdale. And there was 100 million other people already at the beach, actually, when we arrived. So, so finding a parking spot was a drag. But, but they showed up and like 20 people, you know, 15 to 20 of them said, all right, I either want to do what Megan did and publicly proclaim Jesus by being baptized, but I've been baptized, or you know what, I've never been baptized, probably 60% of them. And they said, this is it for me. I wanna be baptized here in the water. It was amazing. This pool of community is an amazing place. It's a place that celebrates your faith and helps you to grow in it. It's a place where you can find friendship and relationship there's an ability to find relationship with other Christians that I think exceeds the ability to find relationship elsewhere. And here's why I say that, because the gospel is ever at work in our hearts, mitigating all of the things that come naturally to me and come naturally to you and that are anti-relationship. So it's always working against my pride and it's working against my selfishness. It's working against me trying to get everybody to work for me. You, know, you get the idea? And it's doing the same thing in you. We share a common mission, a common bond, a common eternity common God. We're all being conformed as different as we are to the image of one person. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And more than that, this community is helpful, like in real and practical ways. And all of the time, you know, I really don't talk about this. I don't remember 
ever really talking about this because it feels almost a little bit awkward, but I think it might be helpful to say. I have no idea how many times, because it's so many, that we have paid for somebody's rent or we have covered somebody's mortgage or we have paid somebody's utility bills. Again and again and again. I don't know how many times we have sent individuals, we've sent couples, we've sent families to counseling and we've covered the cost of all of those things. How many cards to Publix have we given out? Thousands. How many gas cards have we given out? I have no idea. How many automobiles have we purchased? We bought one two weeks ago, we're buying one this week. We've bought, I think, six this year, just this year. And look, it's not a 2018 Honda Accord, you know, that we're purchasing. It's a 2008, as it turned out, the last one, Honda Accord that we purchased, but it's a car that's got some life in it. And we know that because we've got a mechanic who knows what we do. And so he checks all this stuff out for us on the cheap. And he's like, yes, this is a good one. Buy this one. And we put people through a financial process to make sure that actually with the financial help, we're helping. I can pay for a car. I can afford the insurance and gas. You get the point? But it's remarkable. Players are driven by the glory of God to worship. They are driven into community. And it's a beautiful pool of community, but it doesn't end there. If it does, then it's a stagnating pool of community. But instead, as we've talked about, it's a pool that forms a river that flows out into the world and makes everything green wherever it goes. It's a community, in other words, that doesn't exist for itself, but self-consciously, like, understands, hey, guys, we exist for the sake of the city exist for the sake of the world. Most of the rents that we've covered, not all, but most, most of the gift cards, most of the cars that we've purchased have been for folks outside our community. It's amazing. It's what the Harvest Drive is all about. So we asked you guys to bring food. We were trying to hit it for 50 families. Uh, we like way exceeded 50 families. Why? Because a whole bunch of you said, you know what, we're going to be players this week. We're going to get food. And so we've got a picture of the bus that Fort Lauderdale sent over here um, from Fort Lauderdale High School and, uh, and filled it up. And you can see some of the students from Bethany Christian School helping load this bus up with the food. And so what does that do? It goes to food needy families identified through the public school system who during the Thanksgiving break, when their kids are not getting three meals a day at school, are not going to have enough food to eat. So it covers them for a week. It's beautiful. It's what the scholarship fund that we talked about last week when Priscilla Ribeiro, the principal from Fort Lauderdale High School, was here is all about. The scholarship fund is being created not for kids who are already killing it academically and already qualifying for all kinds of scholarships, but it's being created for kids that are really stellar, amazing students who really contribute to the community of that school, but maybe who don't qualify for all that stuff and maybe for whom, you know, college is not something they're even thinking about. It's being created so that they can get up the administration and say, hey, you know what, we've got a scholarship for this person. And in shock and awe, this kid can take in the fact that, wait, what, you're, me? Yeah, we believe in you. We, we believe that college is in your future. It's awesome. And if you haven't had a chance yet to contribute to that, you can do that on our app. Just go to Connect. You can do it on our website. There's a tile there. You can write a check and leave it at the Information Center. Uh, we really want to be able to fund that, and we're doing it together with other churches. It's an expression of the United Church here in Fort Lauderdale, but it's pretty amazing. It's what the Mustache Challenge, which was one of the most ridiculous moments of my life, was all about. There it is. I look happy. You can see me there on the end. That, that is a very honest picture right there. I'm just going to say it. I've never grown a beard in my life. I, I can grow a beard. I feel insecure, so I need to tell you that. It can happen. I can do it, but
but I'm kind of compulsive, you know? So like if it starts itching, I'm freaking out and then it keeps me up at night. And, and so I get about six days in and then I cut it off because it's driving me crazy. And, and then I couldn't do that. So I let it grow. And it was really convenient after it was grown because then you just shave your neck and you're good to go. Like it's a time saver and I'm all about efficiency. But we shaved it down to these ridiculous mustaches for a really awesome purpose to help support what Anna Paulina, who's in the middle of that picture, is doing in Haiti with our ministry partner, Mission of Hope. This job creation and mentorship program that's coming together over there that she has spearheaded, it's awesome. It's what the Grace Home in Haiti is all about. For the Grace Home, by the way, we shaved our heads. And uh, I'm thankful to Jesus that there's not a picture of that up right now. Um, but that too was really efficient. You know, you just get up and wipe your head off after the shower, you're good to go. So part of me kind of liked it. But what is that? We probably did that three or four years ago. It's an assisted living facility in Haiti. Why, why does Haiti need assisted living facilities? Because the elderly people can't contribute to the family anymore. And so the families have to choose between feeding their kids or their parents. Simple answer. And the government came to Mission of Hope and said, hey, we gave you some land. Can you guys do this? And Mission of Hope came to us and said, you know, is this something you think you can get your head around? Because everybody's excited about the kids, but what about the elderly? And through the generosity of this amazing pool of people, I lost my hair and then that happened. Who cares about hair, man? I mean, really, it's not that big a deal. And then the last thing, I mean, there are several other examples, but the last one is the Rio House. And we haven't talked about that in a long time. That's probably seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, we purchased a fourplex about six blocks south of here and, um, and renovated it. And then with a partnership that we've developed with Hope South Florida, uh, created family support teams and a whole, frankly, restorative rehousing program that other people are now using, other churches are using, family support teams and all of that stuff. So God has taken that and he's doing really amazing and cool things. But it's dedicated uh, to the use of single moms uh, with kids who otherwise don't have anywhere to live. And so it's been our joy for, I don't know, as long as it's been open now, uh, to see them come through there and to be ministered to there. And, and look, the point is that players realize that they live in a community that does not exist for itself, but it exists for the sake of the world. And here's what happens to the world when those kinds of things start happening in the world. What happens is that the world takes notice of Jesus. And honestly, that's all that players care about. Couldn't care less if we get noticed but I care a lot if he gets noticed. And it's very important why. Because as Paul says in Romans 10, verse nine, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Not you might be saved. I don't know, it might happen for you. No, 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 that's it. You will be saved, okay? You get him and lucky God that he is, he gets you. It's a very good arrangement. But notice what he says a few verses later in verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone telling them about him? Which is the last thing that I'll note that players do. 
Players tell people about Jesus. So here's what I wanna do as we wrap this up. If you're a spectator or a fan, and if you're ready, I wanna give you the opportunity to become a player how? By just beginning with a relationship with Jesus, by entering in, saying, okay, here's the deal. I, 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 I need you and I believe that you are who you claim to be. And I'll lead you in a prayer in a moment in that regard. But in addition to that, here's what else I want you to do. I wanna give you the opportunity to let the people in your world know about Jesus. And here's how. In three weeks from today, at the beginning of Advent, we're gonna start a new study. We're calling it 21 Questions, meaning 21 questions that the world is asking that we believe that Jesus has an answer for. So from the life of Jesus, we wanna present what we believe to be the answers to these questions. And here's how we wanna use you. We want you to give us the questions, not just your questions, but like the questions that you know that other people who don't know Jesus are asking. And then after we design it, we want you to invite them to come hear the answers. It's pretty simple, really. So here's the deal. When you came in, uh, you should have had a little card on your seat. Um, that, that did not mean that all the seats were saved before you arrived. All right, that meant that there's a card for you. Or maybe it's under your chair at this point. I don't know. There should be pens scattered about, uh, typically toward the end of the rows. Um, but if you don't get a pen or if you're one of those people like me who goes, okay, I'm going to write a question. And then you get in the car and you drive home and think of 19 far better questions. If you have our phone app, just hit connect. There's a tile for 21. Hit that and then just plug it in. You can do that right now. You can do that as we uh, give you some time here in a minute. You can also go on the website and do the same thing, which means, and this is awesome, you can go to work tomorrow and you can say to your friends, hey, look, here's the deal. My church is doing this thing. We're asking questions. What do you guys want to know? And then just get online and type them in so that we can have them, okay? Because players tell people about Jesus. Why? Because they've found something someone so great. And look, when you have found something good, man, you, you start telling people about it. And we have found the ultimate good. So I'm going to pray. And then after that, we're going to take some time and give you a chance uh, to just write your questions. We have boxes at the door. So, you know, whenever you leave on their way out, you can just stick the questions in there or you can on the app or website, fill out some questions. Okay. So let me pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you are good and that you are altogether glorious. We thank you that we find your glory most clearly depicted for us in the face of Jesus. Lord, move us by the face of Jesus. Holy Spirit, invade our hearts and our minds. Lord, make yourself real. Reveal yourself in a way that we cannot deny. And then go to work in us. Lord, clear out the stuff, change what needs to be changed so that we might live out the best plan, that is to say, your plan for us. And, and God, I, I pray especially, first of all, for the spectators, uh, for those who are just checking out Christianity. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and that if they're ready and when they're ready, they would come to you very simply and say, you know what, I'm, I'm broken and I can't fix me. I have failures that I can't undo. I have a past that I can't erase and pretty sure I've got a future with some stuff in it that I can't erase. And I believe that this Jesus, who I don't know everything about and understand everything about perhaps, 
But I believe this Jesus suffered and died in my place so that I might be forgiven and have life. So God, forgive me and give me that life. Fill me with your spirit. Let me know what it is to be a son or daughter of the king. I pray for the fans and that you would give uh, to them by your spirit a holy discontent. That you would make them spiritually uncomfortable in the sense that, you know what? It's time to move. It's time to, to get involved. It's time to realize, hey, you're a part of a team that has a mission. And the mission is so valuable that it demands your life. And that it's your greatest privilege to give your life to it. To orient yourself around it. To figure out how strategically to be a part of it. And then I pray for the players, Lord, those who are down or discouraged, those who have been injured out on the field, if you will. Those who are full of joy, I thank you for each. And I pray that you would move us to reignite a passion in us. Lord, fuel and energy in us for you. Let us worship, let us live in community and let us be a part of a community that does not exist for itself, but exists for the sake of the world. Do good in the world through this people so that Jesus might be proclaimed and lifted up and known. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give you some time to fill out some questions.